Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 279, covering The Killing Game, Part 2, and Vis-a-Vis. Hi, friends. Hello, all you listening people. We... If I sound tired, it's because my Voyager fatigue is back. And if I sound tired, it's because I woke up an hour early to record this episode. Oh, yeah, it's also earlier than usual for us, so yes. we might have that uh, Dr. Girlfriend thing going on. <laughs> How's it going? That, that, that Barry White thing, I guess. Yeah. You're listening to the sweet sounds of the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast here on W podcast fm podcast network it's on your radio and plays podcast for some reason coming up next is a hit single by adam carolla yeah adam carolla has a hit single he has a hit single podcast oh i see also our call letters would start with k and not w because we're uh, west right now that makes what, sense. what do they start with in canada i don't remember like radio stations, they have letters, right? Yeah, that, that they all had names, though. Like, they never referred to themselves as, like, W whatever. It was just, like, the Fox or the Zone or whatever. The Zed. The Zed. Yeah, we had a lot of the Zeds. The Moose. Zed. We had Zed 95 back in the 90s, because, of course, we fucking did. Of course you did. The Extreme Zed 95. Playing the greatest hits of right now. Here's Nirvana. <laughs> Can we just do God, radio? I can't believe that guy just died. Can we just do radio voices for the next hour? Yeah, that'd be fine. <laughs> hey, man, why don't you talk about the killing game? No, don't, don't. Yeah. I'm already sick of that. Uh, that wore out real quick. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you talk about the killing game, which for some reason is part two? Yeah. War! As Sergeant Charles Chuck O'Tay and his fighting forces wage war on a giant fucking hole, Kate regains her senses enough to attempt to take the ship back. She and Chuck mount an attack on the various holodecks, encountering a drunken Klingon Neelix, which Chuck is pretty fucking fine with. Or maybe his acting is just garbage once again. Ah. The crew is captured by Predator Nazis when Seven bungles a grenade. Because Seven is known for her bungling. <sighs> Look, I know she got shot. It Still... Kate's taken to before the Predator King and is eventually able to hash out a peace treaty because Kate is the goddamn shit and she can negotiate with goddamn anyone. Unfortunately, runner-up King Predator gets a pep talk from a Nazi and turns on his boss and shoots him. Because if there's one thing Nazis know, it's how to win. Take that, Nazis. <laughs> Harry and the Doctor restore everyone's brains and Bologna is just as confused by her pregnancy as I am. Neelix and the Doctor lure the, lure the Klingons into World War II-era France, and they start fucking wrecking shit on Nazis, which sounds cooler than it actually is. Meanwhile, runner-up Predator is stalking Kate with a rifle, Shining style, uh, if Jack Torrance had a gun and was a Nazi. Maybe it's more like apt pupil. Anyway, uh, Kate plugs that fucker like a goddamn boss, and with both named Predator guys dead, the rest of the army surrenders, and Kate gives him holodeck technology for some reason. So long, Predators. Enjoy the ability to create bullets out of thin air. Is that a thing the Predator did? Yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna share a shameful secret with you, Matt. Mm. I've never actually seen Predator. That's pretty good. I, I saw Predator 2. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> like I, I it was fine. I just I never saw the first one. No. no that's pretty good. I I'm not a huge fan of the uh, former governor of California. 
Uh, he is fine in certain films. I watched uh, Total Recall a couple of months back just on a whim because I was sick, and god damn if I didn't have a great time watching that movie. Oh, it's, yeah, but I, I'd say that, like, it's, uh, boy, that is a dumb movie. Uh, like, it I is. Mean, dumb fun. Like, look, if I'm in a very specific mood where I want to watch, a, like, a, a brick made of beef beat the <laughs> shit out of people, um, you don't get much better than Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's true. I Wasn't that made by the same guy who made RoboCop? It had a very similar feel. Yeah, yeah, Paul Verhoeven. That's him. Yeah. Yeah. They they both, they they feel like two of the same, like, like not not just directed by the same guy, but almost like they belong in the same universe. Yeah, yeah. No, there's um, there's a very specific mood I can get into where that is exactly what I want to spend my time oh, watching. Absolutely, but instead we're watching this. Yes, and uh, as you mentioned in your summary, a lot of your turns of phrase sure make this sound a lot cooler than it was. Oh man, right? Like uh, t- Nazis or predator Nazis, predator and, uh, Nazis fighting people Klingon. with rifles and Klingons fighting Nazis, and yeah. It should all be really cool, and I mean, it's not a. This is not a terrible episode by no. any stretch of the imagination. Um, I guess my big problem with this one is like, and this is my bad thing. There's no real reason for the killing game to be a two-parter. Like, you know, yeah, Brian mentioned this briefly when he was with us last week. He he didn't really think that it needed. It's, it's like a they. Full it's like part. they were looking at their list of episodes for the season, and they're like, uh, the. We need a two-parter in here somewhere. Uh, throw just throw a dart at whatever. Oh, the killing oh, game. Oh, actually, if you if real quick, if you look at uh, Memory Alpha, they didn't want this to be a two-parter. They were out of money and they were all exhausted. It was near the I think the Christmas break at this point, and like a two-parter was really not what they wanted. And for some reason, Braga and Minoski decided, no, 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 this has to be a two-parter. I don't care if we don't have the money. I don't care if people are exhausted. We're going to do this anyway. Oh my god. Yeah. Brandon anyway. Braga and Minoski's vision. I, I guess. I don't, like, like, honestly, like, and we, you know, we had some pretty positive things to say about the about uh, the first part of this one last week, and, you know, there's well, no... Some of those things were, thank goodness, this isn't the previous episode. Oh, well, I mean, look, that's certainly true, but, like, yeah. we had fun with this one, and, I mean, yeah. you know, there's something to be said for, like, World War II, all our guys dressed up and all that, you know, it's fine. But, yeah, like, fighting Nazis, the standard villain of 20th century fiction. Yeah, but honestly, this episode would have been... You know, good to great if it had just been a one, like, a, a one-parter, you know. A one-parter, as they call it. <laughs> A.K.A. a normal episode. Right. No, you're you're not wrong. There was, like, there was a lot of, like, padding and a lot of, like, repeating itself. And, mm-hmm. and like, I get, I guess, why they were doing Neelix as a Klingon, but... Uh, oh, no, I get it. They thought it was hilarious. It wasn't. No, it wasn't. I At all. Just, you know... It's Neelix. It's Neelix capering around. They just put a mask on him. No, and then... Uh, Which I guess, if it's, if there's a choice between Neelix capering and Neelix capering with a mask on, I'll take the mask. I said this last week, and I maintain, I do feel a little bad for Ethan Phillips for having to put on the full Neelix makeup and then put on a Klingon, like, outfit, like, a, a whole Klingon face on top of that. Uh, I don't really. Uh, it's, that's rough. That is, that is, like, really rough. I guess I... I guess this is my morning. Ethan, we're going to need you in at uh, 3 a.m. tomorrow to be ready for filming. Oh. But it's 2 a.m. the previous day now. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, come to think of it, screw it. He deserved Because <laughs> he's Neelix. Yep. And then, and then they bring the doctor in there, and it's like, here's the two, like, most nebbishy, like, oh, Klingons, I don't know. Like, uh. I'll get over there and tell them how great you are. 
Yeah. A little of that was too broad for me. Yeah. And there's apparently they were shooting like in some, I think it was a back lot, but it was an outdoor back lot. Like, I, well, I guess that's what a back lot is. That's sure. outdoor stuff. It's not a soundstage. I don't always know the lingo. I'm, it's not like I've been, you know, reviewing a television show for, right. you know, six years or anything. Um, they were no, shooting started, in the backyard. It's, it started pouring ass rain. Oh God. Like, you know, that bit, uh, there's a, there's a big battle at the end and you know, that bit where you hear the thunder and someone looks up like, Oh, it's starting to rain. Mm. I, they threw that in. That wasn't in the script. They threw that in late to account for the fact that it's pouring ass rain in all the battle stuff mm-hmm. because they had to shoot it. They were out of time. Right. It was raining and they just had to go. But there's a there's a dumb played for laughs thing where the doctor is standing under an awning and he steps out and he gets some water on his bald head mm-hmm. and then he steps back under the awning mm-hmm. like uh, get it because he's bald and yep. his hair, his head got wet. Yeah. Okay. I bet. Uh, I bet he thought that was yet another great comedic moment that he tossed in. The thing is, he tosses in great moments. Like, I've- oh yeah, no, th- there's an episode, a couple back where you're at. What the fuck is his name? I'm blanking on it. Andy Dick. No, not it. Oh. No, it was the episode with Andy. Yeah, Dick, yeah. No, I mean, who the fuck? Robert the, Picardo. Yeah, Robert Picardo. Thank you. I'm sort of like, is it Captain Picardo? That can't be right. So <laughs> what happens when we record at seven thirty in the morning? That is true. No, it was the episode with Andy Dick because there was a lot of, like, two people standing there doing techno battle right. to each other. And that's exactly where he should have injected more comedy. Yeah. Like, it's a good good choice, honestly. And, hey, I'm, like, what, regardless of what we think of Andy Dick, he was primarily known for comedy. Let's let's see if we can punch this up and make it funnier. That is true. It's not a bad idea. And, you know, good instincts there. Whereas getting his, his uh, precious little bald head wet, eh. Brandon, what if I step out from underneath the awning and I get water all over my head? That would be funny, wouldn't it? That, Brilliant. That would be funny. That will blow their heads. Minds, Brandon. What? Oh, minds. Blow their minds. Right. I think I'll date Jerry Ryan. <laughs> Jerry. He did. Jerry Ryan just looks up. <laughs> Is that my future? <laughs> Please, God, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my bad thing, since we're doing bad things. Sure. This has almost been one of or both of our bad things before, almost certainly. Mm. I don't care. I'm so tired of the holodeck. Yep. We're, we're watching a show about space guys exploring space. Mm-hmm. I don't mind the occasional gangster planet or Robin Hood episode or James Bond adventure, but like once a season, maybe twice tops. Remember, remember in the original series when we were getting really tired of showing up at parallel earth planets every other week? It's yes. that again. Yeah. For a show about the 24th century, we sure spent an awful lot of time in the 20th. No, you're absolutely right. I lived through the last quarter of that century. It wasn't that great. Yeah. It, it was, you know. I mean, okay. honestly, and like, listen, guys, I can watch plenty of TV shows where people are in the 20th century. I watch them all the time. Like, I get the thing is, I get it. It's it's fun because we have a frame of reference. You don't have to make up all new alien stuff. Yeah. It's easy because you have the costumes and the designs and, and the sets are at least, you know, you can build the sets based on existing photos. Yes. But why would you bother going to the trouble to making a space show if you're not going to commit to it? Yeah, I you don't know. know. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I get it that it's easy, but if you want to make the easy show, make something that isn't this. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. There's plenty of garbage shows you could be making. It's the mid-90s. 
Oh God! They're like thanks, thanks in large part to next gen and then DS nine. Like the the syndication market has blown wide open with you know halfway well regarded shows like Xena and Hercules mm-hmm. and maybe less well regarded shows like Cleopatra twenty five twenty five. Oh dear. And uh, Lex with two X's, <laughs> oh. maybe three X's. I don't remember. You talking about so, Canadian treasure Lex? <laughs> oh, is that Canadian? Yes, it is. Oh. You must be so proud. Oh, every day. Every day I get up and thank my lucky stars that I could be born in a country that gifted us with Lex. Look, you just you just uh, contributed to the pile. Like there's a massive pile of hour-long syndicated uh, sci-fi fantasy horror genre shows. Oh man, we're going to get so much shit from the Lex fans or <laughs> Lex files as they prefer to be called. <laughs> but with a PH, Lex. Yes, files. exactly. Exactly. Oh, boy. It, it just, like, if you're making a space show, make a space show. Yep, like, I, I get, like, again, all the all the, uh, refer- all the uh, specific episodes I cited here mm. are examples of good, like, times where they did that where it was good, mm. where it was interesting. The Gangster Planet was cute, and Robin Hood episode was cute, and the James Bond stuff was cute, like, on DS9, mm. but, like... Those are those are one-off examples. We don't what we largely remember about those shows isn't all those times they spent in Earth history and Earth mythology. Yeah. It's it's a nice break from the other stuff. Yeah. I I feel like if they could do what they do with like the Q episodes and like the Barclay episodes where it's like, you know, one per season. You get one per season. Yeah. Or even like this is a bad example as you already pointed out in your bad thing. Mm. But even if it's a two-parter, like I see what they were trying to do with the go back to the 90s episode. Yeah. I, they, where they came from with that was in a good place was we've we we haven't really done time travel. We haven't really like we're we're only going to do this once. We're not going to keep doing this. So let's get it all out of our systems in one giant two-parter. Mm-hmm. And like that's that's a good impulse. Yeah. Like write your big giant adventure and get it out of your system and then move on. Yeah. But that's not what they did. No, it's not. Just a lot of running around, dicking around. And it was fun from a character perspective. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of fun, you know. We had a lot of fun today, kids, but there's nothing funny about vapor lock. (laughs) Nothing funny about vaping. (laughs) That is also true. Or or Nazis, for that matter. No. Did you you get... I'm sure you must have, because it it, it was unavoidable. Mm. Did you get a real knockoff TV version of Michael Fassbender from that Nazi guy? Yeah, I did. I know exactly okay. what you're talking about. Yeah, and, and this is before Inglorious Bastards, yes. so it's not really, like, intentional. They, but they probably cast a certain look of a guy as sort of classic-looking Nazi. He was the the, the dude in, like that was trying to date What's-Her-Face right in Inglorious Bastards, right? I believe so. Yeah, yeah, that is exactly who I was thinking of when I was watching the the movie. But Michael Fassbender. Yeah, yeah. He played him, and, you know. And his evil brother, Michael Fassflexo. I thought you were going to say Michael Slowbender. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Uh, it it just like he felt like the TV version of that. Like, yeah. here's here's the awesome actor who is kind of a sexy dude, also, mm. and kind of dangerous guy, like only TV style. Yeah. I'm a Nazi. Oh, yeah. Uh, I wish. No, that dude was incredibly British. He was a very British Nazi. I, I mean, you know, that's how that's how you do it. I know, but, like, seriously. Like, 
we we had this discussion for over a long period of time when we were doing regularly doing comedy sketches about history mm-hmm. because it's like do you give them the comical accent because if we're bothering to translate it into English should they also then sound German or are we just going to commit to it and just make them sound like you know English speakers now listen here French people the Nazis are invading and that's us but the thing is, if they have German accents, why aren't they just speaking German? That is you know true. What I mean? like, well, it's, Universal it's Translator, hard... I got you there. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. Except the uh, the holodeck shouldn't need one of those. No, I was actually watching the when I was watching the episode. It was like it was again. It was like uh, with um, Bolana's pregnancy. I'm like, so they are they speaking French or what? What's happening? Well, I assume the holodeck, you know, the holodeck is built on uh, centuries of tradition of of cinema and television and so forth. Like it's it's playing by war movie rules, which right. is everyone speaks the language that you already speak. Sure. So that that I understand in the context of the show. I still don't get the fucking pregnancy thing. Yeah. At all. But, although I'll give the show credit. They called attention to yeah, it. But they don't get it either. Yep. They address it. The, my favorite part in the entire if you again, if you could make a visual quote, there's a um, they set off a thing that uh, everyone fucking like it, it puts everyone back to normal. Basically, it blows up their little um, the things that are making their them think that they're whoever from history. Mm-hmm. And the first thing Bolana does is look down at her stomach and go, what the fuck? Yeah. No, and the thing is, like, I get from a production perspective, okay, she's really pregnant by this point. Uh-huh. We're tired of shooting her from, like, peeking around corners and, like, stacking up giant stacks of things to her neck so you can't notice. Yep. Like, let's let's make it a little easier for her, at least. But on the other hand, it doesn't make a damn bit no. of sense. It, no. At all. Um... Let's, let's do good things. What do you got? Uh, I just like watching. I, I, I get a real uh, vibe of I just, just watching the crew fighting the the Herogen with their World War II weapons, um, being all hardcore crap. I'm watching. I'm like, all right, that's pretty cool. The thing is, that's that's that is the fun aspect of these kinds of episodes. And even though I am very sick of them, I can't deny. For instance, the the images that stick in my head are first of all, I mentioned this last week, and I don't want to get creepy about it, mm. but just like the 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 ladies in their tactical turtlenecks and so forth, like not even in a hey check them out, just like that's a good look for them. Uh, I would also say uh, Tuvok in a flat cap with a Tommy gun. Yep, that's a good look. Like, yeah, he is totally like he a bit of an Irish gangster vibe, mm, to definitely, and it was it was great, like. That's the dumb, like, if you put aside all the all the issues of it being repetitive and it being doesn't make any sense and just concentrate on it being fun, which I try to do. I really did. Yeah. The, there are some fun things. And, you know, I that said, Chuck is still boring. So. He is still boring. No, that was I mentioned this in my in my summary. I want to get back to this, too, actually. Like, basically, Kate's back to normal and she grabs Chuck, who still thinks he's like an American soldier. And starts mm-hmm. taking him through like the the Jeffrey's tube and into like other holodecks and stuff, and he's just like he could not be less interested in what's going on. Ah, oh, that's weird. Those guys have kind of weird foreheads. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I, there's a there's a good line even that mm-hmm. he blows with his terrible delivery, mm-hmm. which is they go to the Klingons and they they speak Klingon. He's like, oh, I guess my French is a little rusty. Mm-hmm. That that's a nice little wisecrack if you do it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but unfortunately, yeah, uh, I just uh, 
Yeah, no, it's but you know the the guys I liked, I liked seeing in in different settings. Yeah, that was good. I Kate, and really, this is uh, well, my good thing more has to do with her uh, negotiating, which I'll get back to in yeah, a sec. Yeah. But her on the holodeck, like she understands, like either she read up on it or she knows her history, but she speaks the language of the people who are still trapped in this thing, mm-hmm. like. She's like, uh, we can't blow that up because there are warheads. That's that's a thing from back then, yeah. right? Like she's she's not doing that horrible tortured fictional character thing where it's like, no, obviously I'm from the future and you need to know what I'm talking about. No, she's trying to speak their language. Yeah. I like that. But my my actual good thing, it, this builds on my good thing from I don't think it was the previous episode. I think it was the horrible one before that. Sure. The the, the one good thing I found in the otherwise just horribleness of it. Her negotiating. Mm-hmm. It seems like with them in completely uncharted space, she should be doing a lot more of that than we've seen so far, but it's really only come up recently, and she's great at it. Yeah. Like, in a way that I would not have expected, because you think Science Captain might not be as good at these, like, sort of slightly shady social interactions. No, I, li- I li- really it's like... kind of a Cisco thing, yeah. you know? like. I like the idea that she's had to learn this crap. Like, yeah, like exactly. when the series started, no, she wasn't good at that kind of thing at all. But like, you know, it's been four years. She's been fucking around out in the Delta Quadrant for a while now. It's like, yeah, she can talk to people. She She's willing to offer them up, you know, Starfleet technology, which maybe not the best idea in the world. Uh, the thing is, they re- the, this is the specific scene I wanted to call out. It's her and the Herogen captain, which <laughs> I don't think he got a name. If he did, they didn't say it very often. Brian covered nicely by calling him male Herogen captain, <laughs> which I liked. Nice spin on female Romulan command. Yes. Um, but there's this whole thing where he's... And this was very Star Trek. I'll give... Like, Braga doesn't usually care for the trappings of Star Trek. Mm. Like, putting aside our usual, like, critiques of him... He just, he's not into the old school Roddenberry, like, utopian type stuff. That's just not his thing. Sure. But this, the the Herogen guy, actually felt very, like, the evil guy who's rethinking their evil ways yeah. and wants to change. Like, kind of like Mirror Spock. Kind of like a few other sort of bad guys sure. that we met through the course of the original series. And I like it. Mm-hmm. I like that he's he's the visionary. He's the one that wants to make it different. And he said... Like, I still don't really get the idea of brainwashing everyone and tricking them into thinking they're in the Earth's past. No, that every, make sense. every time, like, someone asks them, it's like, I wanted to learn how they, I want to get in their heads. No. It doesn't really make that's, sense. That's, let, let's be honest here, buddy. You just want, you just wanted to play Nazi. I get yeah. it. Like. Oh, yeah. You know, you mentioned last week that seeing aliens in Nazi uniforms mm-hmm. is like, it's, it's a cliche now. Yeah. But, you know. You guys want um, to play dress up. All right. Yeah. But, like, that part doesn't really make sense to me. But the core of the idea is we're exhausting our resources and we're spreading ourselves thin with this hunt thing. But if we had your holodeck technology, we could could, uh, scratch that itch without, like, completely, like, depleting all our resources. And that's a good idea. And she's hashing it out with him. And she's like, you know what? This usually isn't a thing, but you are at our level, so it's not like a prime directive thing. You know what? I'll trade you this holodeck stuff in exchange for not murdering my people. How about that? Yeah. And it's it's really well written, and the guy they got to play the Herogen captain is great, so it's good acting mm. between the two of them, and it's great. And I don't know, I just, I like that a lot. Yeah, no, it's totally, like, it's, and it's a nice, like, it's an unexpected, like, choice for the episode, too. Like, you know, at this point, I would have expected, I have to kill this guy. No, I think you have to kill that guy. And you will, and, and it'll be badass as fuck. 
that's the thing. It took a nice couple of turns. Like, it still shouldn't have been a two-parter. This no. should have been a nice, tight, like, one-part episode. Yeah. But um, it's still, like, it took a couple of turns I didn't expect. Like, the the guy, the nice guy, the, the nice Herogen leader died. Yep. And the guy who was next in line is the one she had to kill. And I, I like that much better, actually. I, that scene, by the way, is great. Like, when yeah, he, he's, like, I mentioned this, he's stalking her through the, the halls with his rifle. It's very shining. Um, except for the gun. And then she fucking just tricks him and... Fucking, oh, yeah, she pretends she's injured. Yeah. But then manages to, like, double back, get the drop on him, and kill him. Yeah, and he, she's got a gun on him, and, like, she's disarmed him. And she's like, Do, don't, if you move, I will shoot you. And he moves, and she shoots him. It's fucking great. Yeah, I knew, I didn't think she would. No, she's fucking, like, that, that's cold as ice, fucking Kate. Goddamn. Yep. Pretty great. Uh, Goddamn. Mm. Let me have a like, look. I got a lot of notes, but I think we've covered most of them. Yeah. It's just like, the thing is, I usually try to shoot for, you know, half the episode about one and half the episode about the other, but it's like, it's, it's not 30 minutes in this yeah. because it's just padding from last time. There, There's a moment where uh, uh, Tom's explaining who the Nazis are to Seven, and he's like, yeah, they're the Borg of the, or of the 20th century. I'm like, eh. I don't know if that's entirely apt, especially since Romulans exist. Like, Yeah, but she doesn't know who Romulans are. I guess that's true. She's trying to explain it in her frame of reference. They're the, they're the Borg of the 20th century. Oh, so the ha- the handsome good guys. Well, no, Seven, not no. Also, the Borg probably were in the 20th century, because j- just because we met them for the first time on Next Gen doesn't mean we won't meet them for the first time several other times. Yeah. Take that, Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Um. Anyway, that's also episode. Also, I watch this with the subtitles on. This also has my favorite subtitle of, for uh, of a while, which goes: Neelix continues indistinctly. <laughs> that if if we were to still do an episode, guys, we should totally call our Voyager one: Neelix continues indistinctly. <laughs> of course, the DS Nine one would have been called: uh, Sarah Clofton does not appear in this book. Yes, of course. With foreword by Sarah Clofton. <laughs> Uh, anything else? Uh, no. How about a quote? Uh, that I do have. This is Neelix on dryness. I'm as dry as the crater at our fat. In the middle of the dry season. When it's dry! (laughs) I don't like sand. (laughs) It's rough. It gets everywhere. All right. It gets into my bowl of hair. Oh, no. My bowl of sand hair. Mm-hmm. All right. Pushing forward now to vis-a-vis. Ugh, which that... it, sounds, it makes it sound so much more highbrow than it is, doesn't it? Can we just for a second? This is like, that may be the worst title. Mm, there's a whole block of titles that are like, I, I'm pretty sure this is Latin, right? Visa is Visa is Latin? It might be French. I'm not sure. I please don't write in to correct me. I can look it up yeah. myself. I just don't know right <laughs> off the top of my head. Yeah. But regardless, like pseudo Latinish turns of phrase, like foreign-y, not English turns of phrase that are the episode titles usually are dumb. I think. Mm-hmm. And this is one of them. But then the episode's kind of dumb, Ooh. as I will tell you now. Our story begins, as all stories begin on Voyager, on the holodeck. You'd think that spending a good chunk of time brainwashed into believing they were fighting World War II for the amusement of a hostile alien race might put them off the idea, but no, here we are. 
in a garage, fixing a car with Tom Paris. This sets off echoes of childhood anxiety for me as I was reminded of time spent with my dad, being asked to hand him the eight-fourths croissant wrench or the half-jig spritzer. Except I had the option of leaving in those situations. For some inexplicable reason, I have to watch this stupid show. So here we are. Anyway, Tom is apparently super bummed out by this life that he's apparently spent the past, past four years telling us is infinitely better than his old life in the Alpha Quadrant. I guess the pretty girlfriend and the respect of his peers is really starting to wear on him? I don't know. But because this is Voyager, an alien now has to ride in and stir up Tom's status quo and make him realize that the real answer was in him all along or some <laughs> shit. Meet Steph, whose faster-than-warp ship causes Tom to visibly start drooling and instantly declare that he has a new best friend. At his station, Harry cries a single tear. He's such a special boy. Tom and Steph do some male bonding, which I guess means fixing a ship in exactly the same way Tom was just fixing a car, because why be even remotely subtle about anything ever? Then it turns out Steph is some kind of genome vampire or something, which basically means he takes Tom's form and takes over his life, despite the fact that they've known each other for two or three days and Tom has two fairly technical jobs on the ship, not to mention a number of personal relationships with a fair amount of history. Nevertheless, nobody really seems to notice. I guess you could just put on a plastic Halloween mask, you know, one of those that fastens in the back with a rubber band, of anyone in this crew, and everyone will just assume you're that person. Why would anyone even question that? It's not like we deal with a bunch of weird Star Trek shit every week. Meanwhile, Tom, who is now Steth, is attacked by a hilariously escalating progression of Steth's enemies, but then he convinces them who he really is, and they return to Voyager and put everything back the way it was. I mean, eventually they do that, after seven or eight hours of not doing that. In a related story, as I mentioned before, my Voyager fatigue has returned. Oh, also, Steth as Tom has sex with Balana, and nobody ever mentions it again, because why would they? Yeah, um, it's never actually uh, on camera, but it is definitely very strongly implied. And stop it, Voyager. Stop yeah. it. Don't make me get the newspaper. She, at the very least, she should have had a moment of realization and disgust. Yeah. It's the blowing right past it. Like, I'm not saying if you want to introduce a sort of horror-ish element or a, or a creepy thriller-ish element with a sci-fi twist. Like, I don't. I'm not saying never do it because do it a creepy thing makes some stakes. That's okay. Mm. But at least make the characters aware of it. Yeah. She's just like, whoop. Guess I slept with that guy. Oh well. Whoops. It's not like he could get me pregnant or anything. I mean, how could he? Yeah, it's not like I'm pregnant. No, nope. Nope, not me. By the way, I appreciate that we could have sex behind this box. <laughs> At one point, Tom invites her to, to roll under the uh, car he's working on. I'm just like, that's not going to happen right now. No, sorry. Look, she can barely get into the car, like, to make out with you, like. Yeah, she can barely get into the turbo lift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's okay to make fat jokes when they're pregnant because they'll get skinny again. Yeah, exactly. That's fine. Um, no, this, it just was like, this is my complaint with so many Voyager, apart from that one last week. This is my complaint with most Voyager episodes. It's like, there's nothing particularly bad. It's just, I've seen all this before. Yeah. It's, it's it, it, kind of a possession-y episode. It's a brain swap episode. Mm -hmm. Okay. Those episodes are interesting if they're characters we know, which we don't know this guy. And if somebody learns something, which he didn't really. No, we spend the last, like, the last episode, or the last episode, the last couple of minutes of this episode are a very tense scene with, between two characters we've never seen before. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. 
But the show does that a lot. They want us to get invested in characters we'll never see again. Mm. I will say this. Um, Steph replacing uh, Janeway uh, completely got me. Like, that came right out of left field for me. I did not expect yeah, to see that coming that, at all. Same here, because she's, she's on the bridge. Like, Tom, as Steph calls over and says, hey, uh, here's something only I would know. Uh, they, they, this guy switched bodies with me. What, what do we do? And she's like, I don't believe him. I'm like, really? She doesn't? And then they they pull back and reveal that it's because she's now yep. the bad guy. Like, oh. Huh. Did not see that coming. Um, that's actually kind of my good thing. Is like I wish the context had been different because this was such a forgettable cliche of a plot, but Mulgrew is evil Janeway for that five minutes. Oh man, great. great. Just fuck. It makes me wish we could have met Mirror Janeway or something. Like she just like it's you know, you get those times when Cisco would play evil or Picard would play evil, and it's like that. It's mm-hmm. like just oh, the best actor on the show is is being a bad guy. Yep. I want to see more of this. I, I am very excited for whenever we get around to that Captain Proton episode where she plays like the queen of the spider oh, people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's going to be fun. great. Hopefully. I hope. Hopefully we'll actually do that and not like hang around, you know, I don't know, Harry's house. No, she she does over the top evil really well. I've mentioned this before. She plays a bad guy in uh, the Dragon Age games and she's fucking great wow. at it. I saw. I've seen bits of her in Orange Is the New Black in with her ridiculous Natasha accent. Yep. And uh, no, I mean everyone in that show is in prison and are criminals. So I mean, evil is is a little bit like you know, it's not exactly a good or evil kind of thing. They're all shades of bad people, right? But you know, she's still got some over the top going there. Too. Well, I mean, between that and the Russian accent, yeah, yeah, darling, darling, we must um, crush moose and squirrel. I would watch that show. <laughs> um, Who's your Boris if, if you have to pick from Star Trek actors? Oh God, I don't know. Um, I'm going with I'm, a- I'm going with Avery Brooks. <laughs> Fearless leader. <laughs> I don't know if he could do the accent, but I'm thinking of him in the um, the-, the James Bond, like as the villain yeah. in the uh, in in the Arman Bashir episode. Yep. And that would be fantastic. The thing is, I'm still just, my mind is only thinking of Jason Alexander from the live action Rocky and Bull. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think who in Star Trek matches him. And I can't really, I don't know. But Moose and Squirrel would probably be um, uh, Data and Jordy. Yeah, no, that would be fine. No, I would definitely do Avery Brooks as Boris just because I want to see him in the little black, uh, the little black uniform. Carrying a little bomb. Yep. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, what happened in this? I don't know. Like brain completely. I just like it's. I don't know that has Star Trek actually. I mean, I guess Turnabout Intruder. Yeah, the, Turnabout Intruder was uh, definitely a like, Freaky Friday episode. But did Next Gen or DS Nine do? I don't think swapping? so because it's kind of stupid. It is stupid, but on the other hand, like. It's one of those things we as sci-fi fans just accept, Mm -hmm. and if they tell a good story with it, it's like, okay, well, this is one of those dumb things they do, whatever. Kind of like the shrinking episode of DS9. That was dumb, but it was fun. Yeah. Like, it's, okay, shrinking episode, that's just something they do. Mm -hmm. And it could have been fun. I didn't really care for Steph was part of it. Yeah, Steph is a very boring villain. At least until he turns into Janeway. Actually, I will say, the guy who plays him when he was supposed to be Tom, did a pretty good job. And actually, Brian mentioned this, and I concur. Um, did a pretty good job of mimicking Robert Duncan McNeil's mm. like mannerisms and stuff. Oh yeah, definitely. 
Like, he was playing Tom Paris the way we've seen Tom Paris for the last three and a half seasons. It was pretty good. Yeah. But, you know. Uh, what was your good thing? Um, ships in this are fucking gorgeous. Yeah. There's a bunch of just new ships. Death's ship is really cool. Um, the evil alien ships attacking Death's ship are really cool. They get, like, big, like, glass bubbles in them or something. There's a lot of glowy elements in them that we don't get in a lot of ships. Uh, Lady Steph's ship is really cool. Um, mm -hmm. The, like, folding space to go into warp drive or whatever the fuck they call it, the fact is neat. Like, there's just some really nice spaceship porn in this one. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, like, we are at a good period where they can do a lot of that stuff CG now, which is good because we're supposed to be in unexplored space and running into new aliens mm -hmm. every week. So, like, the guys who design ships are really working a lot harder than they would on the other shows. Oh, yeah. you got to design new ships almost every week. Yeah. Over on DS9, it's like, all right, more Cardassian ships. Here you go. Oh, the Dominion has a slightly different ship, or we'll we'll throw another nacelle on a, on a Federation ship. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going home. But I, and and they're nailing it. Like yeah. I would say they're nailing it every week. But you're right. This week in particular was quite good. No, I just like if it's good enough for me to notice. Like you know, yeah. I watch a sci-fi show. Like I I expect to see spaceships pretty much every week. Yeah, I've been watching spaceships two hours a week for the last six years. Yeah. Like, so you know when they're really when they're when they're really cool, it's I think it's worth remarking on. Yeah. No, like I said, there were a lot of glowy bits. There were a lot of like 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 a uh, what do you call it? Like a neon light bulb. Surrounded by some metal kind of thing. You talking about Tron effect. lines? I don't know. I've never seen Tron mm -hmm. and never will. So I <laughs> no, it's like they took a glowing, like a glowing bit of glass and then built a ship around it. Yes. And a lot of them have that aspect to it, yeah. which I really like. No, it's neat. And it's a, it's like a, it's a concept I haven't seen before, you know. Yeah. It's unique to Star Trek design, yeah. which I like. Like Good it's for probably you. been in other stuff, but yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, bad thing. Back in season three of the original series, I remember the episode. It was Whom Gods Destroy. Mm. It was the Garth of Izar, who I still think would make a great villain in the in the new movie. Yes. But, uh, uh, we started getting annoyed with the idea of an imposter replacing an important member of the crew and nobody being able to figure it out. I remember distinctly watching this with Matt mm -hmm. and saying, oh, again. But as we were criticizing it, the episode, like as if to hear us mm -hmm. and answer us, made them aware of it. And they suspected something was fishy, and they used a code that they already put in place to confirm fake Kirk's authenticity. It was a chess-based thing, as I recall. Yes. Kings to level whatever. I don't remember the exact thing. But but it was like Scotty said one part of a chess move, and Kirk had to say the other part, or he wasn't, like... They you're you're not coming upstairs, like... Yeah, that's great. This was hundreds of episodes ago for us, and a hundred years in-universe. Mm -hmm. And yet, Voyager still can't work this out. Tom's captain, his best friend, and his girlfriend are all completely duped by this fake Tom who knew the guy for, I, I'm going to say three days was the most yeah. I could possibly think of this being. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm trying to give it the benefit of the doubt. Three days. Even we'll stretch that. A week before completely taking over his life. And they all bought it. Mm -hmm. What? Like, there's, my life is not that exciting. I don't. I don't both drive a starship and help a holographic doctor in in uh, working on medical problems for aliens. Plus, I'm not dating a half Klingon. You know, like I don't have nearly the complicated variables in my life that Tom does, and I still don't think that someone could replace me and convince my wife and my close friends mm -hmm. that that I was the same guy. I just don't think that's possible. <laughs> it's 
just bugs me. I'm trying to picture the the episode, of, the, the paw episode that Matt, Matt does with the fake Al. Yeah, it would take you five minutes to figure it out. Yep. Because there, there's just specific things about the way I speak and the way I act that are just pretty pretty obvious, yep. I think. And, you know, say, same. Like, it would go the other way around. Like, I would know. <laughs> if you... Uh, if you understood a reference to anything before 1995, for instance. Yes, exactly. Or if you weren't always talking about, I don't know, all that. <laughs> oh, you hey, know. Dude. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> anyway, no, it just, like, they, they deliberately dumb down the other people in Tom's life to, to make this premise work. I mean, like, yeah. like There's a lot of smart people and also Harry who were fooled. <laughs> I would love... In a body swap episode like this, where like Tom's acting real weird. Anyone else notice yeah. Tom's acting weird? I guess it helps that Tom's been act apparently been acting kind of shitty on the show lately, anyway, because he's got. I guess he's got like I, I don't want to be on Voyager anymore. Burnout. Well, once a season they do a thing with Tom, where it's like yeah. he's he's got an attitude problem. Last time he was faking it to, mm. to root out a traitor, but this time he's just. I don't know what the deal is. I just, like, I... Because they, they keep telling us how happy he is there, but now suddenly he's not. Yeah, I like the concept of Tom being happier here in the Delta Quadrant and Voyager than he ever was back home. I don't... I'm not a big fan of the idea of him just, like, ugh, Voyager again with this. I'd rather stay in my home improvement garage and fix my car. Yeah, that doesn't... And, and ignoring, like... He and Bellana have been dating for a few months, like, not that long. Like, no. They should still be in the early, exciting part of, like, a, a relationship where they want to spend yeah. all their free time together. And he's already trying to get away from her. Yeah. Really? I actually buy that from Tom as someone who, you know, probably isn't doesn't stay in a whole lot of long-term relationships. I guess. This is going, this is going really well. I should bail. <laughs> it just, it feels like... It feels like a real person in real life might act like this mm. for real, because, like, you don't just turn a corner and everything's great forever. Yeah. But on TV, you kind of do. And when he came to the realization that his life was better here, bringing it up again just feels sloppy. Mm. It feels like the character growth that they wrote for him before has now been undone. Right. You know, and again, real life doesn't work that like that, but this isn't real life. It's a, it's a TV show. And when you make a character change, they usually stay changed unless they're Tony Soprano. <laughs> But that was the point of that show. Yes. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, I'm just like, it amazed me that no one, like no one figured it out. Yeah. Like Tom again, being real of, weird. Lots of several, like several smart people and Harry could not figure it out. Yeah. The, the uh, I think the, th the thing that really bugs me is uh, evil Tom looking for sick bay. Yeah. And Harry's just like looking for sick bay, huh? Boy, they're really working you hard if you forget where sick bay is. Oh, well, I'm plotting an easier route there, friend. Ha 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 ha. Well, that's clearly a lie. Hey, Captain, I think Tom might have been replaced by an alien. What? Maybe that maybe that Steph guy we uh, we just ran into. By the way, Steph's not a great name. <laughs> Isn't it? No, it's not. It's like Seth, but they they spaced it up a little bit. Yeah, it's like Coven last time. Yeah. Like, let's now just take normal Earth guy names and add a letter or change a letter. Yep. This is our new alien friend, Steph. Last name, Oscope. <laughs> Looking for a Stethoscope? Anyone see the Stethoscope over here? Ah, 
So what was your bad thing? It wasn't Steph. It was something else. Yeah, no. Um, so, boy, I sure could have done without Evil Tom systematically beating up and screaming at all the women on the ship one by one. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe it's because last week's episode is still fresh in my brain and won't go away, but that's really upsetting. Like, yep. oh, and also uh, regular Tom does it, too, in his fight with uh, with Bellana. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm sitting there watching. Please stop yelling at this obviously pregnant woman. Oh, I don't care about that. I just like, come on. They're supposed to be like, I don't know. He's supposed to be happy with her. Why is why are they doing yeah. this? And like, I thought that was going to be the reveal that he was possessed. But apparently, no, that that's not the case. Yeah. And then drunk yeah. and threatening seven. And I'm very overprotective of seven right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying not to be that guy. I'm trying not to be the don't you hurt the girls guy no i know but it's like yeah i know it's awful stop it it is it is awful the show has been so much better toward women and suddenly like we need to like you got like i would not be as upset by this if there was a little distance from last episode but like yeah i don't want this to be the show now okay stop it and then there's all that upsetting stuff with like like the implied evil tom has sex with balana like don't do that. Yeah. Stop it. No, Voyager. <laughs> no, it's it's not great. It's no. It's the opposite of great. It's, yeah, it's bad. It's a bad thing to be happening. They did a bad, bad thing. You're bad and you should feel bad. Well, they don't. No. You probably feel real smug about all the great stuff they're doing. We're doing a real that, great that's work. That's usually their move. You, you had a secondary bad thing as well. Oh, yeah. Tom's fucking uh, home improvement garage also really pissed me off. I'm watching. I'm like, that looks real familiar. Why does it look f- Oh, God damn it. It's from all those years I spent watching home improvement. Yeah, see, that's how I know you're the real Matt. Yep. Because home improvement is thing you know. Like I watched a lot of home improvement back in 1993. I mean, I assume you did. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm vaguely aware of what it is and that there's a guy who peeks over the fence and a guy who makes ape noises, and that's the extent of it. Yep. Now you're already off my, uh, out of my frame of reference now. That's okay. The 90s kids will get where I'm coming from. Oh, well, that, for the BuzzFeed generation, this is for you. 90s kids, write in and tell, tell Al how much you like the 90s. Please don't. We got a we got a supplemental coming up, and if there's one thing we'll enjoy, it's talking about the '90s. Oh, believe me, I will talk about them. <laughs> You're not going to convince me they were good. Oh dear. Oh no. But, but we could certainly talk about. Them. No, listen, I have a lot of fondness for the '90s, but they were by no by, they were by no way good. The thing is, I I being almost exactly ten years older than you, I have a lot of fondness for the '80s, mm-hmm. but they also sucked. Every decade sucked. Yeah, and while we're on it, the 2000s were pretty bad, too. Yeah, look, I'm not trying to say, oh, no, no, the decade you were a kid in is terrible. The one the one I was a kid in was great. No, they're all terrible. No, no. Listen, if there's anything I want you to take away from this, it's that it's always terrible. <laughs> Forever. Yep. I mean, you got Batman in yours, at least. Yep, that is true. You know, I latched on to some pretty terrible things, but, like, Batman was legitimately good. Yep. That's about it, though. Yep. Otherwise, the 90s can, can go screw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, what else? Uh, looking up uh, my... At one point, the doctor is talking to Tom about his, uh, about Tom's 20th century car, and he's mystified by it, mm-hmm. and it's like, you went to the 20th century and rode in a car. Yeah. You know what a car is. You've been in one somehow as a hologram from 500 years in the future. Yep. I don't really get that, but uh, whatever. 400 years. Mm-hmm. Um... 
else. Uh, Steph, I, oh, go, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh, Steph's uh, the weird. The costume Steph wears looked very casual early movies Kirk to me for some reason. Like Kirk oh. in, uh, or no, like Kirk in uh, uh, Trek Four. No, uh, oh. like it's not his uniform, but it's what he was wearing when they when they go to San Francisco. That like red jacket with like the belt. Yeah, I think that's part of the the uh, post Wrath of Khan uniform. I think that he just took bits of it off so it looked more like. Yeah, it's like it's like it's without his like the 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 Starfleet jacket or something on. Right, it's just the undershirt. Yeah, so he looks less military. But I'm like, I'm watching. I'm like, did he steal that from Kirk? I mean. They probably had it, you know, yeah. in the in the in the massive pile of costumes mm-hmm. that they've accumulated. So possibly, yeah, that's true. They put one on uh, Picard in uh, relics, or not relics, um, uh, tapestry. Yep. So yeah, it's possible they just modified it. Yeah, here, wear this. You're Steph. Steph, that's your name. <laughs> You're a cool You're guy named Steph. Um, um, I did like there was okay. So Steph ended up actually being uh, started out as female, like the original Steph was a lady, and I did like I did like the sort of gender fluidity of like turning into a dude and and seducing ladies and then turning into a lady and seducing like they didn't call that out. They didn't say it was gross. They just like no, this person switches sexes when it's convenient. I like that. And also, they never like they never actually say whether it's a guy or a girl. Like, well, the 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 most early one we see is a girl. Yes, but it could be it could go further back than that. Yeah, they talk about how like we don't know how far back this goes. Yeah, how long has he been doing this? And it's just like eh, eh, a long time. Amanda reminded me that uh, Futurama did their brain swapping episode. They got super complicated and. The super nerds behind the scenes at Futurama had to create a formula mm-hmm. to figure out how the brain swapping worked. Which they show in episode, by the way. Yeah, yeah. It ended up being like so unique that they actually published it as a real mathematical formula that had yep. never been devised before. <laughs> and they were super proud of themselves. And that's pretty cool. And I, 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 love I, I got to thinking, yeah, like this, uh, this is kind of the same thing. I guess so. Yep. But the episode itself is still kind of dumb. Yeah. Uh, we find out that Tom and Harry have been playing golf on the holodeck. And I will tell you this right now. Tom Paris is not a golfer. Okay. Tom Paris is like, we're talking about a guy who wants to like, you know, fly a fast ship and like drive muscle cars. I, I feel like the most exciting part of golf for that guy would be driving around in the cart. I guess that's probably true. I don't like, I don't know. I'm, I'm. Again, very tired of them going to 20th century stuff every week. Yeah. On the other hand, I hate it when they make up goofy alieny like sports and stuff. Yeah, we're we're going to the holodeck to play Andorian Storch wrestling. <laughs> where you where you wrestle the actor Larry Storch, <laughs> who was in the live action filmation Ghostbusters with the guy in the gorilla suit. Oh dear, he was. Hmm. Ah. <sighs> Anyway, that's all I got. Yeah, I don't... There's not a whole lot going on in either of these. My quote pretty much depends on uh, being taken entirely out of context. This is this is Bellana, uh talking to Tom about uh, being late to a date. Yep. So, you started without me. I finished without you. You're a little late. And I'm not going to give you any context for that. You just assume it's as dirty as it sounds. Mm-hmm. That's a great quote, Al. Thanks. Thanks. It's pretty good. I'm pretty proud of it. 
<laughs> anyway, so that's all for this time. Uh, next time, there will be two more episodes. Next time, we will show you another one. <laughs> uh, ooh, actually, next time is the uh, awesomely titled The Omega Directive. Yep. I don't That's a very original series. It totally is, and I'm sure they were, they did that on purpose. And mm. Amanda will be joining us for that. Ah, excellent. Um, also next week, you will be getting, uh, in addition to that, mm. a bonus episode. You will be getting yes. our our take, our first uh, first impression take on Star Trek Beyond. Yes, I will be coming up to Seattle, and we will be watching the film. Yes, and then uh, writing down some thoughts about it, and then reading those thoughts to you, and having a discussion. Yeah. Like we do. Um, I will I will preface it with that. Like, we will absolutely, like, be more than happy to see it. Tell you, we'll, uh, a couple of people even asked on Twitter if we would just put the general word out there, see, don't see, you know, thumbs yeah. up, thumbs down. Yes, absolutely. But with that in mind, with, with this in mind, mm-hmm. we loved uh, Into Darkness when we walked out of that movie. We were both really happy about it. Yep. Over time, that effect wore off. Yes. So, you know, the it, it's the epi- it's the episode 1 effect. Yeah, it's the, the, we're so excited to see the thing we've been waiting to see that we uh, might be a little blind. Like we've been doing this a long time and we try to be objective reviewers, but we're still not. No. We still sometimes say, "We Captain Kirk in spaceships, we." Yep. End of the day, we're still say- we're still getting to go see a new Star Trek movie. So, yeah. like I mean, we're getting a group of friends together and going to see a new Star Trek movie. Like, yeah. that's not a thing I thought was going to happen anymore. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. But, eh, you know, even if it's not great, we might initially say it is. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yep. Or occasionally, um, I'll walk out of something thinking I didn't like it. And then the more I think about it, like, wait a minute. Those are dumb ideas not to like this. I did like this. <laughs> that's happened. Yes. I just, I catching me in a bad mood or something. It's, it just happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. So uh, look look for that. Uh, yeah. As Matt mentioned, we are near the end of the season. We will be doing a supplemental soon. Uh, we yep. welcome your letters. If you want to write to us about the 90s, that's fine. I prefer to talk about Star Trek, but uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, post you do you. <laughs> at Gmail. Yep. Uh, we will we will answer whatever you send us. I believe if we can manage to make this happen, which I think we are, I will actually be going uh, to, to Portland, where Matt yep. is, for that. So nice. Uh, he's coming up here for the movie. I'm coming down here for that. Um, and we're going to try to do the live streaming thing as we've done a couple of times before. Yes. We'll, so we'll see how that works. We'll set up a webcam. We, we know, we know we can, we've done it before. Yes. It's just a, like a logistics, making sure we're in the right place, but it, it, it's probably going to happen. Like in early August, uh, one Saturday morning, we will be setting up the webcam and you can send us live questions and watch us read from computer screens, which must be fascinating viewing. Yes. Uh, anything else? I think, um, I think that was about it. No. All right. Then we will be back next week. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2016. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this. Mm-hmm.